Hello, and welcome to the Remaking Your Mind podcast, a place where we deep dive into how reclaiming the narrative that plays in your mind through making small adjustments in the way you think can vastly improve your quality of life. I am Camille, your host, and today I will be telling the story of my grandfather. Um, The reason I want to tell this story is I know that this uh, podcast is usually dedicated to things pertaining to mindset and psychology and, you know, intermixing how that affects your faith and how your faith can affect it and all that. Um, But as I mentioned in another episode, I have been working on my, um, my testimony and my grandfather is a huge component of that testimony. And I just, it's been really weighing on my heart to share his story or at least his story when it comes to my life, um, just because he had such a massive impact on me. And it is just something that comes to the forefront of my mind every time I think about trying to tell my story. His his piece is one of the biggest pieces um, because I feel like so much of who I am can be traced to his impact on my life. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of people, a lot of people who played a role in making me who I am today and in investing in me and teaching me and, you know, pouring into me and helping me recognize the kind of person that I want to be and work towards being that person. But I think, you know, his piece of that story shines so brightly and is so big because, um, you know, he became such a big part of my life when I was young and, uh, I moved around quite a lot. Um, you know, for a long time, we barely lived anywhere longer than two years. And so, you know, I had to restart my life when it came to who was around and, you know, who my friends were and who helped raise me even. I had to do that over and over and over again. And, you know, I grew up, um, where my mom was a single mom for a while. And, uh, even before that, you know, my dad was in the military, so he wasn't always there. And then, you know, she found my mom, you know, met my stepdad and, and all of this. Um, but they, you know, they were still building a life, um, for us, as a family. And so they spent a lot of time doing that, which is extremely important and definitely a way of investing, um, in people. But, you know, they weren't really around very much, uh, when I was growing up. And so other people, you know, really helped raise me at different times in my life. And my grandpa is one of those people, um, is one of the main people because he was around the most, in the stage in which he was around, if that makes sense. Um, So when I was around seven, around seven, um, till about nine years old, we lived in uh, Reno, Nevada. And my mom moved us there, uh, partially because my grandma, you know, because her parents were there, because my grandparents were there. And, you know, she was trying to get her master's, and she was going to work. And, you know, she had a lot on her plate, um, you know, being a single mom and doing school and doing work is, is, is a lot. Um, and so, you know, I don't even really remember all that she did or what she was doing because she just wasn't really around, um, 
And as a kid, that can be really difficult because you don't understand, you know, you don't fully comprehend you know, why that is, right? You understand like, oh, things have to get done in order for the bills to be paid or whatever. But your understanding of what it takes to build a life for a family is very rudimentary. Um, and so, you know, when your parents aren't there um, a lot physically, you can get very lonely and you can, you know, it affects you in ways that can be hard to articulate and hard to talk about. Um, and so one of the main reasons he had such a big impact on me was because of the very simple fact that he showed up. Um, if, you know, when it came to my life and I won't act as if he was some kind of uh, perfect man in everyone's life and he wasn't perfect in my life either, but that's one thing that he really did right is he showed up and, and it wasn't like he was just there, you know, like he was, he was fully present, um, you know, mentally, emotionally, and physically he was present. And not only was he present, but he chose to invest in me. He chose to pour into me. He chose to treat me like I was valuable and like I was important. And the, just that combination of being fully present just showing up and then choosing to invest in me that that changed me in such a tremendous way um because it felt like and I'm not saying this is actually like how it is but it felt like it was the first time that I had had that because my parents were always so busy and they were investing in me just in a very different way right they were building um the foundations of a life for us but they weren't physically there um and that was really hard on me and so him stepping in and playing that role it just meant the world to me um it just it meant everything to me that he did that and I remember being a kid and just not really thinking that I that I really mattered at all you know thinking that I was just the burden that you know my my mom was required to bear that was one of the main reasons she was so miserable um, because if I wasn't around she wouldn't have to work so hard you know that's kind of how I viewed myself was just you know the thing <laughs> chained to someone um, and I had a very very as you can probably you know tell had a very negative view of myself and my own existence and I had a really hard time believing that I mattered at all um, in any way and that I wasn't just the reason that somebody else was miserable. And so for him to to treat me like I mattered and do so consistently and just be there, I mean, like mic drop, like that alone was just like, just, just world changing. And he was not a perfect man. <laughs> no one ever is. Um, but I'll be honest, you know, my grandpa was a complex person. He had, you know, a very multifaceted, uh, personality and, you know, he was stubborn and boisterous and just loud. Um, he was just, he was an entertainer. You know, he loved attention. <laughs> he loved being loud. He loved, you know, getting people to look at him and it, to him, it was just, it was just entertaining. 
to be, you know, the, the most, um, let's see, the most entertaining person in the room. It entertained him to be that person. Um, he was extremely intelligent, extremely intelligent. Yeah. My grandpa was, uh, a linguist and he, when he was younger, he was a soldier. And when I was growing up, he was, um, a substitute for, he was like a teacher in juvenile detention centers. And then he'd go and be a teacher for, uh, kids who were under house arrest and just different rough situations like that. Um, when my mom was growing up, he had a restaurant and he was, you know, kind of a, a big deal in their community in the sense of he was willing to invest in the kids there in the, in the community there. And he kind of became someone that was known for being able to deal with difficult kids or deal with kids in difficult situations, which isn't necessarily the same thing. Um, you know, and kids would come to him for help and the schools would even call him for help. They'd be like, Oh, you know, this kid, you know, so-and-so needs, needs help because of so-and-so, and and then they'd send them off to him. And so that's the role that he played in life. He was the guy who showed up and he showed up for, you know, young people and he invested in young people and he taught young people. And he did that, you know, for very long periods of his life. I, I, by no means was I the first, um, And, you know, he had five kids. My mom is one of five. And I know that he wasn't the easiest dad. Um, You know, I heard heard some of the stories. Um, He, you know, what I'm telling you now makes him sound like an angel. (laughs) Um, And he wasn't. Uh, You know, my grandpa had had some some problems. Um, And so it's interesting because some of the best things about me I feel like I have to give him credit for, not necessarily full credit. There's other people in my life, definitely, who helped shaped me in those ways. But I have to say, some of the aspects of who I am as a person, some of the aspects of myself that I'm the most proud of, I can tell you with complete honesty that like he was a part of that. Truly a part of that. He one of the best, to this day, he was one of the best people I have ever met in my life. Um, and on the other hand, um, he had some real problems, some real problems, some serious problems. And I was not the only person who was on the receiving end of those problems. And so it's interesting to talk about him and it's complicated to talk about him because on one hand, If I looked up to anyone in life, and I really don't, to be honest with you, I am not the kind of person that looks up to anyone. Um, He's the one that I looked up to. He's the one that I was like, there are so many things about him that I admired and that I respected and that I learned from him and said, that's the kind of person that I want to be. And then on the other hand, some of the most difficult things to process in my life also came from him and frankly some of some very serious damage um, that happened in my life can be traced back to some things that I learned 
from him. And so it's interesting to speak of him because I'm torn between wanting to give him the respect and the honor that I feel like he deserves um, and also wanting to just be honest about how things really were and with him things were uh, complicated Um, I have so many incredible stories of the things that he would do to raise me and to be there for me and to show up for me (laughs) so many stories uh, that are some of the best memories of my childhood are memories that were with him but also some of the memories that that taught me bad things (laughs) I know that sounds childish but you know we'll get there um we're also from him And it's interesting having to process that, having to know truthfully that so much of who you are, the parts of you that you are really proud of, the parts of you that, you know, make you stand tall, come from the same person who really opened doors that shouldn't have been opened and really contributed to what led up to some very bad things it's definitely this strange strange double-edged sword that is really hard to articulate um usually if i try to explain my grandpa to people i kind of use the very cliche analogy of like dr jackal and mr hyde sort of situation um but i'll get into that and it's hard for me to know even where to begin um I think the story that I want to tell in the beginning, just because it brought me so much joy, is definitely the story of what we called uh, raw chewing. <laughs> so I, when I was younger, I had a hard time um, articulating. Yeah, I just had a hard time articulating. Um, and so at school, they thought that I was like, that I was stupid. <laughs> like they thought that I couldn't comprehend at the reading level that was being required of me and all this stuff. And they wanted to put me in lower level classes and it was this whole big thing. Um, but basically what was happening was I could fully comprehend what I was reading. I just couldn't articulate it. Like I couldn't like say it back to them. Um, and I don't know why that is, but that's, that's how it was. So I got upset because, you know, the, people talked down to me and they treated me like I was stupid and and all of this stuff and I got upset and I said oh you know I hate I hate reading right I hate reading because because you know I had all these like issues at at school because of it and my grandpa found out that I said that and he turns and he goes you know nobody in my family hates reading right his point of pride Uh, my grandpa was a linguist and a teacher and you know all of these incredible things and he loved 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 (laughs) all things reading and all things, you know, the human language and and expression. And, you know, he would perform poetry just at the drop of a hat, walking around like he was on a stage, um, you know. And so he took it into his own hands and he was like, look, like, that's unacceptable. (laughs) And so he decided to read with me every single day um, for over a year. 
And so he would take me to either Barnes and Noble or to this really run down, just totally beat up little outlet mall. And this mall, I swear to you, it was so like abandoned that there was never more than like five people in that whole mall. And that was including the people that worked at the place in which we got our nachos. Um, so he'd take me to Barnes and Noble and pick out a book. And then uh, he would take me to this outlet mall and we would read. And he would get us these cheap, you know, probably <laughs> probably gross, but to me they were amazing because I was a little kid, uh, nachos with that like fake cheese um, and those little round like circular tortilla chips. And we would sit there and we would eat nachos and we would read and that we would do that every single day and we'd do it for a minimum of an hour. And he would read to me out loud, of course, uh, for the first half hour or so. And then he would turn and he would have me read. And no matter how much I stuttered and no matter how much I struggled, he would just sit there and he would wait and he would um, teach me how to say things and how to pronounce things and, and all this stuff. And uh, we would do that every day, every day. He would read and then I would read. And then sometimes we'd do it, you know, same day. He'd read again and then I would read again. And, you know, I, it was some of the best times of my life doing that. Um, those are memories that I just treasure. And I really hold dear because he showed up for me and he really invested in me. And when he, you know, he recognized that I was having a hard time articulating myself that for whatever reason, you know, getting it to go into my brain and then out of my mouth was just not really working. Um, and so he would also teach me like all these goofy songs and these little riddles and, and, um, these like tongue twisters and stuff to help teach me how to articulate myself. Um, and so, yeah, and he he only taught me maybe like, I don't know, three or four or whatever. And they were the same three or four every day. But every day we would do them. or Maybe not every day, but most days we would do them. And he would have me singing, you know, he'd be bellowing practically because he was not a quiet man. Um, he'd be singing these, you know, kid rhymes with me. And, and it just made me so happy. Um, I was so happy you know, it was, it was, it was incredible. Uh, I remember like there was one where you like build it up over time, right? So there's like a, the wheels and then the bus or whatever. Um, and then at the very end, it's like ends with like a flea. I don't even remember it that well, but it was like, there was a little flea, the cutest little flea, the cutest little flea that you ever did see. The flea was on the feather, the feather was on the hat, the hat was on the girl, the girl was on the seat, the seat was on the Ford, the Ford were on the wheels, the wheels were on the ground, and the Ford and the motor made the wheels go around. <laughs> and that was the end. And you had to build it up every time. So, right, you had to do like the first one, like the wheels and then the Ford and the wheels and the Ford. And like, so it was a really long thing because each time you added one and then you said all the ones that came behind it and then you added one and then you said all the ones that came behind it. And I know that he did that just to teach me how to be articulate, just to teach me how to, how to speak eloquently. And it was because of him, you know, that I even cared about that kind of stuff, let alone learned how to do it. Um, it was because of him that, you know, I learned how to have a confident voice, how to, how to speak 
with conviction, <laughs> how to be eloquent. And it's interesting because later down in my story, um, when I got older, other things happened to me that actually affected my speech, but that's a different story for a different time. But I became, before those things happened, um, which happened in my late 20s, I became a really eloquent speaker because of my grandpa, which was something that I was the complete opposite of that before, before him. Um, and so it's really interesting. And, you know, he definitely taught me to, to not only to speak, but to speak well and to speak with conviction and to speak with courage, right? And to just not be afraid to have my own voice. And that was incredible to have somebody like be so invested in you and care about you so much and be so determined to help you find your own voice like that is that's a big deal that's a really big deal and you know he wouldn't settle for anything less right i mean in our family you know he played a pretty big role in the culture of our family and um he wasn't the only one but he definitely was a heavy hitter you know in our family you spoke up you had a voice you had an opinion and you weren't afraid to share it and you know it was a good trait to have that you know they're very much like a boisterous loud opinionated hard-headed <laughs> culture of a family and you know people the family members who had a harder time finding that voice or if their voice was a bit quieter, I admit they kind of struggled a little bit in our family. Um, you definitely up. It's easier to operate as a loud kind of in your face person than as a quiet, timid person. Um, I think if timid isn't your nature, it can be a little bit hard to be around my family sometimes. Um, but you know, that's a whole nother story. But anyways, it's just one of those things that like I attribute the fact that I could stand tall and speak well to my grandpa um, because he put in the time and the effort to give me that and to train me in that. And one of the other things that he would do that was so ridiculous and so funny um, and looking back, I don't even know if he actually kept track of it the way he acted like he did um, is he would do these long mathematical equations and then expect me to have the answer um, within three seconds of when he stopped talking. So it was always addition and subtraction because I was really young. Um, and then sometimes he would throw in like division or multiplication, but it was always like really low, like times two or times three or something like that. It was never very high. Um, but he would be like, you know, four plus six minus two plus eight plus, right? And he would just go like that, where he just like s slew off numbers, you know, minus three times five plus, right? And he would just keep doing that for, I don't know, between like 10 and 30 seconds. And then when he was done with this like long slew of numbers, um, I would have to have the answer within three seconds of when he stopped talking. Um, and he would drill me with math like that all the time, just randomly, right? He would just start and I would have to like jump and jump on it and like, like get it done. Um, and, you know, I think that he did keep track in the beginning because there was definitely times where he's like, no, you're wrong. Do it again. <laughs> um, 
But towards the end, when I started getting really good at it, I don't even know if he bothered to keep track of his own math or not, because um, I, I I got adjusted to it. And it was just like this this thing that he would do, where he would just drill me in math, um, because he wanted me to succeed, and he cared about my education, and it was incredible. Um, you know, he would go out on outings with me all the time. I feel like at that point in my life. I had very few friends at school kind of because I didn't care because like I had my grandpa and so I wasn't particularly invested in my social life like at school because I had such like so much to do with my grandpa when I wasn't at school um which is kind of interesting and uh yeah and you know he'd take me to the movies and and stuff like that and of course, we'd have a lot of movie nights at the house and um, a lot of reading at the house and, you know, kind of the usual stuff that you'd do with grandparents at the house, I guess. Um, but it was so funny. He loved to go to the Pepper Mill. It was one of the many, many casinos in Reno. But for whatever reason, he loved the Pepper Mill. That was like his casino. Um, and a lot of casinos have uh, buffets, but that's the one that he liked. And so that's the one that we went to. And you know, and it had, um, this, this like rainforest vibe or rainforest like theme where it'd like play all the sounds of the animals and then it would, and then it would get really quiet and then it would only play the sound of like the waterfall. And I swear to God, my grandpa would time his ridiculousness with when things would go quiet every time. So one of the things that he loved to do is he loved to take those like restaurant napkins, you know, those like cloth, those big cloth napkins. Um, and he would turn it into a bra, bikini. I don't, I don't know. He'd make it look like, you know, <laughs> like a girl's chest. <laughs> and he would fold it like origami style. And then he would wait until it was like the opportune moment. And then he would like pull it up because it would like pop up it was like he'd pull it up and he'd be like wee like really loud so that people would like turn their heads and like stare at him and he'd be like standing like not standing he'd be sitting there like all proud with this napkin bra bikini thing on and he just thought it was like the funniest thing and he did it all the time and it was just so ridiculous i remember at one point like he did it so much that he got like a reputation for it and I think during one of the family gatherings we all like learned it together like he like taught a bunch of us how to do it or something I don't know it was pretty absurd um and he also loved to snap straws so you know how like when you take a straw and you um turn the two ends horizontally and then you like twist it a whole bunch and you like lock the air inside and then when you flick it it'll like snap really loud like a firecracker um he loved to do that and so he was always having me snap straws with him when we went out to like fast food and stuff and he was just that kind of person like he loud and proud right loud and proud just did not care a rip <laughs> about what people thought or if they thought anything at all. And if he turned heads, he just thought it was funny. Like he, he enjoyed it. He enjoyed the attention. Um, and it was great. You know, it was great that he just was so full of life and so willing to just be himself and, and just not care if, you know, people 
appreciated it or not. Um, and I feel like that is a really powerful place to be in where you are at home with yourself enough to just let go of letting other people's attitudes dictate who you are. Now, I think that's a really powerful place to be. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things about him that taught me about who I wanted to be. You know, even before I was around, um, he had a restaurant, which I think I mentioned already. Um, and if I didn't, you know, he had a restaurant and he was investing in the community there and he was helping raise and take care of kids who, you know, were either delinquents or had a rough home life. And he, you know, he showed up for people. He was substitute, you know, like I said, he was substitute teacher. Um, and he would, uh, teach in juvenile detention centers and he'd teach kids who are under house arrest and stuff. And he just had a way of investing, especially in youth. He was really good at that. Um, and it was just incredible. It was just incredible, you know, and that's the kind of life that I would fantasize about because of him. I would fantasize about a life where I could build some, build a life where I was consistently investing in others. Um, and I was just, that I was playing the role that he played you know it really put a fire in me to be a similar to play a similar role as he did where I was somebody ready and willing to show up for people you know mind body spirit (laughs) to just be there and invest in people I, I wanted that so badly And I wanted that because of him, because he changed my life. And I wanted to be able to do that for other people. You know, he operated as a safe place to to be for for me. And I wanted to be that for other people. Um and as a place where you know you're not alone. You're not alone because because they care. (laughs) They care and they're there for you, to be there for you. And to invest in you and to see, you know, help raise you and help you grow as a person, right? The fact that he did that for me, it made me want to do it for other people so badly, Um, you know. And I knew before him that I wanted to help people, but I didn't really have a lot of direction. And I think that it was my experience with him that really gave me that direction. Um, And it was incredible. And... Yeah, you know, that was one of the many good things that I learned from him. You know, another good thing that I learned from him and um, oh, trying not to get choked up. Um, something that he was really, really good at was, you know, he always taught. Um, he was in the military and he experienced some some things in the military. And I think that this had a lot to do with why he was so adamant about this. But he always taught me that I am not a, you know, citizen of the United States, right? Like he never had like national pride. He was never somebody like, oh, I'm an American, you know, he was not like that. He was like, no, I'm a human, right? I'm a human being. I'm a part of humanity. And he was somebody who really drilled it into my head that you find your citizenship in humanity. You find your togetherness and your people with all persons. And he was so 
adamant about that and so passionate about that, that he was like, you don't ever, you don't ever treat someone like they don't belong because of where they came from or what they look like. And how passionate he was about that really meant so much to me. And how much he drilled it into me really meant so much to me. And I think that's incredible. I think that plenty of people in this world will think that or believe that, but they don't emphasize it. They don't spend that time making that so incredibly clear that it's like, you know, (laughs) preaching to the choir, which is what he did. You know, he would tell me over and over, like, don't you ever forget it. They're like, what you belong to is a species, you know, like you are a human being, you belong to humanity. That's what you're a part of. That's what you're proud of. That's what you stand for. Not races, you know, not your race, not your nationality, not your skin tone, not your gender, right? Like you stand for being a person and you stand with people, period, like done over. And that you know, is a big deal to have someone in your life who is so passionate about that and who makes that so clear and who doesn't give it a rest, you know, that's really powerful and really important. And I, you know, I aim to be that kind of person that's like, no, you stand with people no matter what, no matter what, like your, your responsibility is towards people, not just a certain subset of people, not just the people that were raised like you or that look like you or that are your gender or that are your social class or your nationality or right, your ethnicity. Like, no, 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 no. Like you don't treat people like they are less than you ever. You don't treat people like they're outsiders. It's unacceptable. And I like admire him so much for that because I feel like not enough of us do that. Even the people that, like me, who say that they stand for that, we don't do enough. We don't do enough. And I think that with his emphasis on that, he did more than most, you know, in some ways. Um, so that was something, you know, that I definitely attribute to him as far as my just passion towards humanity. You know, I feel like he really, fl- he really, uh, what's the word? coaxed that fire um and that's incredible and you know he taught me too he taught me that when you have strength no matter what kind it is it isn't just meant for you yeah that was a lesson that multiple people in my life taught me definitely more than one person taught me this but he was one of them one of them is that when you're strong in any capacity, you have a responsibility to the people who are weaker than you. You know, it's your responsibility to show up and to take care of people and to use your strength for the benefit of those around you. And that to it's your job to recognize that it just isn't about you. Like not everything's about you, including who you are, including what you have that there's a bigger picture here and that you, it's your job to participate in it. And so, you know, he really instilled in me, 
him and multiple other people in my life really instilled in me that if I have any strength at all, it's not just for me and it's not just about me and I need to act accordingly, that I need to show up and take care of the people who don't have that. And that meant a lot to me. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of other things that he taught me, but those are definitely some of the heavy hitters. And, you know, I just have countless good memories with him, whether it was rachoing, which is reading while eating nachos, or, you know, his napkin bras, or his, you know, performing poetry and various other rhymes and riddles and all this stuff. Um, or whether it's, you know, our movie nights where he would always want us to watch, you know, cheesy, um, like rom-coms or whatever. Um, you know, he was a proud, he stood, don't give me, like, like I said before, he stood for humanity, but he loved that he was Irish. He loved it. He definitely didn't think that like, you know, the Irish are better or anything like that. Like it was nothing like that. It's just that he was happy that he was Irish. He loved everything about the music and the literature and the culture and the, you know, just everything. Um, so there was always random songs and poems and just all this different literature type stuff that he would perform related to being Irish. And he would talk about, um, being Irish and being, you know, even though we weren't technically Alaskan, you know, we kind of like, kind of Alaskan, like his, it was either his dad or his dad's dad, his grandpa, who immigrated from Ireland to Alaska. And so our family was up there for a couple of generations. And then I think it was grandpa who moved down to like, I don't know, the the rest of America, whatever, because they didn't always live in Nevada. Um, But yeah, and so he absolutely loved Alaska. So those were kind of two, um, cultures and environments in which he would speak a lot about which was very cool and I think that um being you know proud to be something is not the same as choosing that thing over everyone else or seeing that thing as above everyone else it's not really the same thing um you can be proud to be what you are you can be thankful to be what you are and not think less of any other way of being and I think grandpa knew how to do that and I think I would like to hope that he taught me how to do that um because yeah I'm a mixed race person and I'm very comfortable with it and I feel like a lot of being comfortable with it was what grandpa taught me and a lot of being happy about it or you know being proud even of it is is what grandpa taught me um yeah and so you know he was a good a good man. Um, but he was a very complicated man. And, um, this is the part of the story that can be hard, pretty hard to talk about. Um, so just as some of the really foundational parts of who I am, I attribute to him some of the best parts of who I am. I give him at least partial credit, at least partial credit there's some things that I learned from him that were really unhealthy. Um, and that's because he, he was a tough person. 
Um, you know, I, I like to remember the parts of him that made me laugh and that made me feel loved and that made me feel encouraged and safe. But there was other parts of him and there were parts that were difficult. You know, he had, um, one of the funny ones that I'll mention before I move on, you know, he loved to play with words as you can probably tell from the other stories. Um, but he would, you know, say things like instead of butterfly, it was a flutter by, or instead of taking a shower, it was shaking a tower or, um, instead of going to go see the, you know, the, he would say, we're going to go see the, the fam damly, right? He'd mix those around. Um, and that was one of my favorites because I just thought it was so funny. You know, he'd get up in, in his little old man walk and he'd be like, all right, off to go see the fam family, you know, and he just loved to do that. And it was just so goofy that that's one of the things that I kind of um, still say as almost like in honor of him kind of is, you know, I say that when I'm off to go see the cousins or whatever, because it just reminds me of him and it brings me a lot of joy. Um and yeah, just all of his dedication to, to literature and to performance and to, you know, linguistics. It was incredible. Um, and to people, you know, he was really, truly invested in people. Um, but yeah, he was, um, he was someone who, was really brokenhearted, I think is a good way to describe it. I think in some ways he was, um, this is hard to talk about. Um, I think in some ways he was too passionate for his own good. And I think his heart was too big. Because there was a real um, kind of dark side to him that was really tough. It was really tough. And it was scary. And it also played a big role in who I am and who I became. And it, frankly, to be honest, played a pretty big role in, in some of the issues I had. Um, in relationships and just in growing up. Um, because my grandpa, he had a real temper. And I think, I think, you know, I try to make sense of it, right? Because on one hand, he's this man that I don't, I don't look up to people. And I looked up to him, you know, that I admired so much, so such a tremendous amount. And someone who poured into me more than I can explain. And on the other hand, he was one of the people that kind of caused the most damage either directly or indirectly, either because of exactly what he did or what he taught me through what he did. And it's hard to process that. It's hard to, um, it's hard to talk about that. And I think that's why it weighed on my mind for months and months and why I it took me so long to talk about this is because I loved him so much and I just want to honor him and 
uh, treat him with respect and tell the story that is so good because there was there was such a tremendous amount of good um but there are some some bad things too and they got they got pretty bad um and i know that they were worse before i was around um my grandpa had a temper a bad temper and it was worse um when my mom was growing up and when she was younger than than when i was by the time i was around and he never uh he never beat us um he never hit us as far as as i know i don't know every story but i don't think i don't think he ever resorted to physical violence but it felt like anything under that was deemed acceptable and it felt like he was always coming right up on that line like he was just a hair's breadth away from that line and when grandpa lost his temper which felt like it could happen at the drop of a dime it felt like it could happen just over anything and you never really knew why it happened or when it was going to come but you knew it was going to come it was terrifying you know i was i was young i was really young i was you know seven eight nine years old um and he would lose his temper um on me and and i would stand there just just terrified just absolutely scared out of my mind um because he was a he was a big man he was a strong man and i was just a little kid i mean he was easily over double if not triple my size um and you know he had a booming voice when he was in a good mood so you can imagine what his voice was like when he lost it um and yeah and he would yell at me to such an extreme that like it felt like it was consuming me like i remember i would stand there and i would tremble uncontrollably and it felt like the only thing that existed was his screams and it felt you know cuz when you're young and that kind of thing happens to you it almost has like a surreal sort of effect where you it almost feels like things are happening that aren't happening and i remember there was times where it got so bad that it felt like the whole house was trembling you know and i'm sure that's not true but that's how it felt and it felt like if i took my eyes off of him for even one second that that hair's breath would go away and that i wouldn't make it and that i wouldn't survive that if i looked away that he would come for me and that something really bad would happen and i know it was really scary and it was really painful and i have acknowledged his temper 
many times before, but I've never really talked about how it affected me or how it felt. I kind of avoided that unless I was talking to somebody that like I felt really, really close to and really trusted. Um, so it's very, it feels very vulnerable to talk about it on here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it felt. I'm not saying that that's how it is. Cause obviously he never raised a fist to me. Um, but that's how it felt. It felt like if I were to try to get away, if I were to, to stop looking at him, if I were to try to run that, that I would like black out, that he would, that he'd hit me so hard that I wouldn't wake up. Um, or something like that. That's just, that's just how it, how it felt. Um, I'm not saying that that's how, how it was. Um, and yeah, nobody could scare me the way he could scare me. Like nothing, nothing really compared to that. Um, and it was devastating because here was a man who showed me more love than I felt like I had ever had before who invested in me more than anyone, you know, in, in person anyways, invested, there's different types of investment, of course, but he, he showed up for me, um, more than, more than anyone, it felt like, and he loved me, deeply loved me, and yet, he also did that, um, and he also had a way of, when he would do that, he had a way of just ripping you apart. Like it wasn't just the physical component that was terrifying. It was what he would say to you. It made you feel like he was going to tear you apart until there was nothing left. And the amount of shame that he would shove down your throat you know it felt like you know the amount of guilt and the amount of shame and the amount of self-loathing that he would try to convince you of I mean it felt like being waterboarded it felt like you couldn't breathe and it made it made me question everything you know it made me afraid that I should be ashamed of my own existence and I should feel guilty that I was alive. Um, and I already felt those things even before him. So for him to, to use that was very painful. It was very painful. Um, and it scarred me. And it changed me. And, you know, I learned some very toxic things from him because of that. You know, he was a broken man. He, he had a broken heart. And he didn't know how to deal. He didn't know how to cope. And it showed because he treated people like that. Like he could be the most loving man in the world and then, and then just 
be a completely different person and and say the most damaging, hateful, scarring things to you. And you're like, I can't believe that's the same person. Um, and, you know, it had a big impact on me. And one of the main impacts that it had was I learned from him and from other experiences that kind of built upon that experience. I learned something very unhealthy from from that, which is that taught me, which was a lie that I learned much later in life was a lie, but it took me a long, long time to learn this, that love comes at a very severe price. You know, it took me a long time to to sort that out, to realize that that's what I believed and to realize that that belief came from those experiences. You know, it can be hard to tease those things out. You can believe things and not fully articulate those beliefs, yet your life is an example of those beliefs. And that was one of the beliefs that developed because of that relationship. Is I, you know, from that point on, I believed that love came at a very severe price. And that in order to be loved, I had to bear that price. And, you know, I kind of stopped believing that you could experience high amounts of love without high amounts of consequence. And that's not true. (laughs) There are healthy people in this world who, yeah, we have our issues and we have our weaknesses. But ultimately, they're not abusive. Whereas Grandpa as much of a good man as he was, he was abusive. It's really hard to use that word towards him because of how much good he did in my life. But I have to tell the truth of the full story. And the full story is both sides of that. Um, and, you know, and so when you believe something like that, when you believe that abuse is a part of love and that love does not come without abuse... You put up with things when you shouldn't. You allow people to treat you in ways that you shouldn't allow them to treat you. You don't understand where boundaries in relationships should be because you're convinced that this is what love is. Love is bearing the consequence of another person's brokenness no matter what it does to you. And yes, we are here to love people for who they are weakness and shortcomings and flaws and mistakes and all but that's not the same as just putting up with abuse because you think that that's that that's what love is because you think that that's what comes with love that's not the same thing you know you can love someone through their flaws and through their shortcomings and have boundaries and say no and when they treat you like complete crap you can walk away you don't have to put up with it you don't have to expose yourself to that kind of damage and you can still love them but I didn't understand that for a very long time I didn't understand that I didn't have to allow people to treat me that way I thought that if I didn't allow those things to happen that that I wouldn't be loved that that, that those things were connected 
you know, I thought that, oh, if I had, if I had boundaries with people, if I said no to when people treated me badly and when they really hurt me, that they would just walk out of my life and I wouldn't have them anymore. And I thought that, that everybody was going to be like that, that like, that the only people that loved me were also people who were willing to do some very real damage to me. And I thought that that's just how life worked in that I had to choose you know, whether or not this consequence was worth the love that I was also receiving. And sometimes I would choose, no, this consequence and this love, you know, there's not enough love there for the consequence to be worth it. Um, sometimes I would make that choice and I would walk away from a bad friendship or whatever. But a lot of times I put up with things when I really shouldn't have. I allowed people to treat me in ways that I really shouldn't have. And I had an extremely high tolerance for poor behavior from people that I cared about because because of how I was raised because I was used to grandpa and you know when you have those kind of experiences at a young age where you are being raised by someone who has the capacity to be terrifying you become someone who's very difficult to scare you know, that was one of the things that I learned from grandpa for better or for worse, because there's definitely situations where that's a good trait to have, where you're not easily intimidated is a really good trait to have. But there's other situations where you don't need to be exposing yourself to those things. But because you have such a high tolerance, you're being exposed anyways, you know, and then, and then it's not a good trait. Right. Um, and so that I learned that from him to have this very high tolerance for poor behavior, um, and for damaging toxic behavior. And that's not good. <laughs> it's not good. And I, you know, I had to bear the consequence of that, that lesson. Um, so the damage just didn't stop there. You know what I mean? Like it didn't stop with him. There was a lot of other relationships in my life, whether friends or, you know, teachers or, co-workers or like whatever like it doesn't matter what facet where they behaved in a way that I should have had a boundary or I should have said no or I should have stood up for myself but I just had such a high tolerance that I just like shrugged it off like I just figured oh this is just how it is and that's not okay right there's so many things in my life that had I understood how to have boundaries with people, had I understood that you're not required to endure abuse in order for someone to care about you, you know, there's a lot of relationships that probably never would have happened or that would have been extremely brief that I put up with way longer than I should have. Um, and it was because of the lessons that I learned with my grandpa. And so it's interesting because, you know, I definitely went through a season in my life where I was mad at him. I was really mad at him. I was like, man, you know, you're the one who taught me this. You're the one who taught me to endure abuse, to think that it's always going to be this way, that this is, this is the only way that it is, to think that you can't be loved and then also be treated well consistently. <laughs> you know, that, that there was always going to be something that somebody was going to do to you that was just horrible and that it's your job to just endure it because, that's the only way that you're going to receive love is by having the stomach to be treated that way. And, you know, it's bad. It's bad. It's really bad. And I know there's a lot of people in our family who have had to heal from those kinds of lessons. 
you know, and he was definitely someone for whatever reason, you know, in his brokenness, in his broken heart, um, had convinced himself that, that trying to convince someone of, um, of such tremendous shame and guilt to the point where they carry self-loathing is an acceptable way to talk to someone and treat someone. You know, he obviously believed that, um, in some capacity that, that, that he was justified in his way of speaking to people. And that's how he spoke to people when he, when he turned like that, um, when he flipped like that, um, he would talk to you like, like, how dare you not recognize that you're the scum of the earth? Um, how dare you not just be utterly and completely buried in your shame and in your guilt and in your own self-loathing? And until you hate yourself, he's not done with you. And it's just so toxic treating people like that. And thinking that it's okay to treat people like that. Thinking that it's okay to try to brainwash them into hating themselves. Um, and just using guilt and shame as these just toxic weapons. Um, you know, I mean, talk about pouring poison in your ear. Um, you know, and him and, and grandma did that. Grandma, you know, I have... It's hard to tell the story of grandma because... I struggled with her in some ways more than I struggled with him, which, you know, based on what you've heard today probably can be hard to understand, but, um, they both had that, um, they just approached it in a very different way. They both had those extremes, right? Where they were super loving in one way and then extremely emotionally toxic in the other way. And it was just so like, such like a severe amount of whiplash and so like polarizing and so just crazy <laughs> that it's hard to process and it's hard to look back on that and like and be like how can somebody be those extremes like be so loving and so incredible on one hand and then just so unbelievably toxic and just abusive on the other like how does that even work and you know and so that's the conclusion I came to is that he was brokenhearted and it was a brokenness that was so deep for him that he couldn't deal and that was the result because I know that the goodness that I experienced in him and with him was 100% real it was 100% real it wasn't a joke it wasn't a, a mask it wasn't um just for show you know like that good, good man that raised me was 100% my grandfather. But that broken man was him too. And that's what I mean. People are complex. People are, people have a lot going on, but you can choose to move forward and heal and learn, you know, or be held back and be resentful and be bitter and get stuck. Um, and you know, and so just as some of the best, most positive things about myself, I learned from him. Some of the things that I'm most determined to not be, I also learned from him. I 
went the other extreme. You know, I, I developed a temper and I struggled with it when I was in middle school. But after that, I learned how to control it. And then I, I don't have a temper anymore. Um, I'm a very strong-willed person, but I'm nothing like my grandpa in that way. And that was one of the things that I learned was just like, I don't ever want to be like that. Like, I don't, yes, I want to be those good things that he was, but man, I will do anything. I will do anything to never treat people the way he treated me when it came to the bad stuff that he did. I was so determined, so almost irrationally determined to never speak to someone the way he spoke to me when he when he turned like that, to never yell at someone, to never lose my temper on someone that I became obsessed, obsessed with controlling my emotions and controlling any kind of negative emotion that I experienced and learning to control those expressions of those emotions. I became wholly obsessed with that because I made myself a promise that I would never treat someone the way he treated me, that I would never be that person, that nothing that ever happened to me would ever push me into that type of existence. And so, you know, with the same fire that I held on to, those good things he taught me, I also held on to this determination to not be the bad things that he taught me. Um, And yeah, it's super interesting how someone can have that kind of impact on you. And, you know, I also took me a long time to get there, but I also became determined to, you know, to be against shame and guilt like that, you know, to, to stand against and be the polar opposite of people who use guilt and shame you know like I was also really obsessed with never being emotionally manipulative with never being dishonest with never being the kind of person that uses guilt and shame as a weapon and to not be feel guilty and ashamed of who I am that's the part that took forever to not live in this place of constant self-loathing it's like it felt like he was so good at that that it almost became a culture in our family to a certain extent to for some people that like self-loathing was like a prerequisite to be in our family and I said no I said no I felt like you know that that he taught that to a lot of us or he tried to teach that to a lot of us, to just hate ourselves and to feel like hating yourself was a requirement. Um, and to have that just that just mountain of shame and guilt bear down on you to such an extreme that self-loathing was the only option, right? I felt like he tried that on a lot of people in our, in our family. And I said, no. <laughs> And I know that, you know, more than one of us is on our own journey with saying no to that lesson that he tried to enforce in us, that part of him that tried to enforce that lesson, Um, you know, and I've had other situations with family members where it was clear to me that the way they were speaking to me 
and the way that they were acting towards me and the things that they said to me were things that they they learned that from him they learned to speak like that from him they learned to think like that from him they learned you know like when i i won't name names but i had a family member who freaked out on me and tried to convince me to hate myself and tried to convince me to be utterly ashamed of all these things about myself and was just you know doing exactly what he used to do right just trying trying their best to just rip you apart you know down to your core trying to just hurt you in every way so that you were convinced that shame guilt and self-loathing were all that you had left and she did that to me and I'm standing there and I'm just like, you know, I know who you're being right now. I know where you got that from. I know that you got that from him. I know that you learned that from him. And I'm done. I'm done. I survived him <laughs> when it came to that. You know, I survived and I came out a stronger, better person. And yeah, I had my issues. And yeah, I learned some rough lessons. I had some really hard times because of things that he taught me. But man, thank God I never believed him that I was strong enough, you know, which is a trait that I got from him that stubborn headed, you know, just thick skulled, however you want to put it, that just digs their heels into the ground. You know, I got that from him, but I chose to apply it to the right thing. I refused to hate myself. Yeah, I have insecurities and yeah, I have flaws. I have some really big flaws. I'm a flawed person, but I will not hate myself. I will not live in a complete and utter self-loathing. I absolutely refuse. I won't do it. And nothing you say will ever change my mind about that. And I am so proud of myself that I survived him and that I came out not believing that because he did try to teach it to me. And so it's really interesting because, you know, I'm proud to be the kind of person that I don't treat people with anger. I don't treat people like emotional punching bags. I don't try to instill in people guilt and shame and self-loathing. I don't, when I have issues with people, I learn to handle it, maybe not in a perfect way, but I don't lose my mind on them. And, you know, I am proud of myself for being exposed to something so toxic and so extreme and saying no and saying no. I don't treat people that way. I refuse to treat people that way. I will never be like you. I won't do it. I don't care what it takes. I won't do it. Um, and I'm really proud of myself for that. And so it's interesting because both the positive things that he taught me, I'm very proud of myself. And both the things that I learned from the bad things about him, I am also really proud of myself. So it's a very strange place to be. Because, you know, I mean it when I say he could be, he could be, I won't say he always is or always was, but he could be one of the very best people I have ever met. Like the amount of love, the amount of care, the amount of dedication, the amount of commitment, the amount of investment 
that he could show into another person, it just blew my mind. It blew my mind that he could show up like that. And that's what I aimed to be. That goodness in him. That was such a bright light. That was so incredible. That just shone to the world. That's what I aimed to be. But that darkness in him that tried to consume everything it came in contact with. And I fought that away and I said no. And, you know, there was a lot of things in my life that because it took me a long time to learn that love doesn't have to look the way it did with grandpa. Um, you know, there was relationships that I had, both just as friends and even romantic relationships that were pretty unhealthy um, because I put up with being treated in ways that I shouldn't have put up with um, and that I had a very high tolerance for behaviors that I should never have tolerated. Um you know, but that's another story. And I think that I'm proud of myself for being able to identify why that happened and for being able to move forward and not let that happen anymore. And I can safely say that, like, I haven't had those kinds of relationships in a long time, in a long time. Um, you know, it's been since before I was a Christian that I've had those kind of relationships. And so, you know, I learned my lesson. It took a while, but I learned it. And I identified it and I was able to recognize why it happened versus just blaming myself for it. You know, because that's something that can really happen with people where you make mistakes and you experience hard things in your life and you don't understand why you made those mistakes. And so you just blame yourself for it or you blame another person. And yes, he was the one that had taught me those lessons, but he wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only person who had toxic behavior in my life when I was growing up. And holding on to that blame doesn't do anything it doesn't solve anything it doesn't change anything so yes i'm able to identify where i learned those lessons from but i'm also able to just move forward and to just heal and grow and just move on and i don't have to sit and wallow in you know self-pity or blame or anything like that like i can have a truly healthy happy life where i'm making smart choices and i'm learning to have you know boundaries with people and yeah I went through seasons of my life where I did not have boundaries with people or the boundaries were very minimal and flimsy and it didn't work <laughs> but I learned my lesson and now I know how to have healthy boundaries with people and I know how to have healthy relationships and I know how to stand up for myself and say no and you know and make sure that that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore and so it's just it's just a part of my story. Um, this man is a big part of my story in both extremely good, good ways and some really kind of dark and hard ways. Um, and yeah, I think that's just, you know, I think he is an example of maybe a more extreme, <laughs> a slightly more extreme version of, you know, things, but, but all people are like that, right? All people have their ups and downs to, to some extent. I mean, he's he was kind of on the more extreme side in some ways. But, you know, everybody has their stuff. And, and yeah, his stuff was quite a bit harder for me anyways um, than maybe some, some other people's stuff is. But it definitely taught me what I'm willing to have in my life and what I'm not. 
right? That's a big thing that 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 experience taught me is not only do I refuse to behave like him, but I refuse to be close to people who behave like him. Like, I won't ever do that again. I won't ever let people treat me like that again. And so, you know, he taught me how to not end up like that. Not as me as an individual or me as a, you know, as a partner, right? Being on the other end of that. Um, and so, you know, because of him, like when I finally do get married, when I finally find someone, they're not going to have a temper like that. Like everybody gets mad, like everybody has their stuff, but it's going to, it's not going to be anything like that. I'm never going to be treated like that again. And I learned that from him to never put up with that again. Right. Cause it's not worth it. Um, you know, and so I'm thankful for that lesson. I'm thankful for knowing, you know, both the good that he did and the bad that he did really helped teach me and help shaped what I want and what I'm willing to have and where my lines are, you know, where my boundaries are. And that's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to know what you want from friendships, from relationships, especially from, you know, your future partner. It's a good thing to know where that line is, what you're willing to have in life. And he taught me those things, um, him and other people. But, you know, he was a big heavy hitter, obviously. So, yeah, all of that to say, you know, I'm very thankful for him. Um, I'm very thankful for how much he loved me i'm thankful for how much he invested in me and even though some of the most scarring memories i have as a child are from him i'm thankful for you know what that taught me it was some harsh lessons and some lessons that took a while because i originally learned some lies and i had to learn the truth but you know i learned some good healthy things at the end of the day I was able to process all that happened with him and move forward in being a better version of myself and having a better life. Um, So yeah, I think that's just something to think about for all of us. Like we all have people in our lives that just really impacted us, that taught us good, bad, ugly, you know, beautiful, extravagant, whatever, um, that just taught us things. Um, Maybe some of the lies that we believe we were taught by how certain people treated us. You know, maybe some of the best things about us, some of the things that motivate us, some of the things that get us up in the morning were things that other people taught us. You know, he, I knew I wanted to help people, but as far as having a direction, really understanding my purpose and pursuing that purpose, so, so, so much of that came from him. And, you know, I, I am who I am today. And I have the job I have today because of him, right? There's just no way around that, right? Not only did he help stoke the fire of me being, you know, obsessed with helping people and mentoring people and showing up for people and being a mental health professional, but, you know, even just being on the receiving end of all of his mental health problems and all of his emotional problems just stoked that fire even more because I knew very firsthand what that brokenness does to a person and what it does to their family. And I wanted to be there to help people heal from that and move forward from that. You know, I wanted to help people um, the way he did. And I wanted to help people like him who had succumbed to their injuries in some ways. I mean, that's kind of how it felt, you know, is you win some, you lose some. And there was some battles that 
he he lost. And I wanted to help people like that, people who were so overwhelmed by their injuries that they lost. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting what you learn from people um, and how impactful that can be. So that's it for today's episode. I talked forever and I feel like there still was so much more that I could have said. I feel like there's so many people in our family who had similar experiences to me um, where he was just such a huge influence and such a huge impact um, and he did so much good. He did so much good in the world and I don't ever want you guys to think otherwise. Um, it was just, he was a complex man, um, and he had a lot going on and, uh, yeah. Um, so that is, you know, a part of my testimony and I am so thankful for you guys who stuck around and who listened and, um, I will continue to try to put out content. I have a lot of other things I'm focusing on in life right now. Um, so it's been a long time and I apologize for that, but this is just kind of a, a passion project and passion is something for in my life that kind of rotates what I'm passionate about and what I focus on can just kind of cycle. Um, so I'm going to try to fit this into that cycle, of course. Um, but I encourage you guys to think about, you know, who is it that has helped you become who you are, who has helped it, inspire you who has helped train you and and raise you not just your parents which obviously are you know usually a big a big piece of that but but other people too who invested in you and you know where did you get these big pieces of who you are where did you get that from right who taught you those things or who helped who helped you develop those things because it's really powerful to kind of recognize whether it's something that you had a really hard time getting over or whether it was something that you're super proud of that you love about yourself, you know, kind of who helped help develop that. It can be very um, enlightening to go through that process of, of figuring that out and thinking about that. And I think, um, you know, the Lord has really healed my heart and has really helped me process my relationship with my grandpa and has really helped me continue to hold on to a deep love that I had for him um, even though there was some things about that relationship that were very difficult. And I think that the Lord has also helped um, me learn the truth and helped me recognize what were lies and what to how to let go of those lies and how to believe the truth about what love really is and what it really looks like. And, you know, God is that example of perfect, perfect, true love. And we have that example shining on us you know, every day. And I think that God puts everyone in your life for a reason. And my grandpa is certainly no exception. And I think that I was thankful for my grandpa even before I became a Christian, let alone, you know, now kind of trying to learn my testimony and learn where, where God fits into all these parts of before I knew who he was. Um, cause I knew, I knew God was real. Like I was never an atheist. I was never someone who, um, didn't believe that there was a God. I just didn't know who he was. Right. I had a lot, a lot of influences and a lot of opinions in my life about who he was. Um, and so it took me a long time to figure out the truth about who he was, but you know, I think, um, sometimes people treat, teach you both who, what God is like and what God isn't like. 
And I think a lot of times too, you can kind of project other people onto God and like, okay, if God's loving, well, this is what my example of love is in my life. So he must be that way. Right. And we have to like learn that like, no, it's the other way around. Like God is the one who defines love, not people. And that we should be examples of his version of love. He's not an example of our version of love. Right. And so there's just a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. And I can be completely transparent because that's what I've been doing this whole time and say that I don't fully know exactly where God was in that part of my story. I mean, I know that he gave me someone who was willing to raise me. He gave me someone who was willing to invest in me. And that was a tremendous gift. Um, But as far as dealing with the hard parts of my grandpa, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to believe um, when it comes to God's presence there. I know that he was there. And I don't doubt that for a second because I believe the Lord when he says that he's always there. So I know he was there, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. So I will continue to process that and try to figure that out and and move forward. Um, But yeah, uh, that's just uh, that's where I'm at. And I hope that encourages you in some way. I hope it helps you. think about things and think about your testimony and think about the people that impacted you and helped um helped you grow into the person that you are today you know and maybe help you see maybe some patterns that need to be assessed um but yes thank you so much for listening and i'm sure i will talk to you guys again soon bye